Man, I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions, it's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing, so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves and to help our companies take on different strategies, pick the right technology, pick the right partners, and of course, you got to have great taste in food. You got to have great taste in beverages. Package goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're going to lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge. Go back, pick out some brands, some CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're going to find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week. But I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, Stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different, better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week. Stay tuned for this week's episode. Welcome to Winning at Work. I'm Tony Moore, and I've got Matt Kovacs. Matt, you're down here again. I mean, you're becoming like a regular. I'm going to have to start paying you a portion of proceeds now, I think. Something, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's see. I get zero. So let's see. How much do you want? Pay me in butterscotch candy. That's fine. What? (laughs) You get paid in PR, man. You get paid in uh, buzz in social media hype, right? I mean, that's how, isn't that how you you measure success? That's the dopamine. That's what keeps us going. <laughs> yeah, that is what every what every brand wants is that social media buzz, that hype. Now you um, you've got some you've had some interesting clients on, and you were telling me about uh, an industry that we've really not delved into before. So tell us a little bit about the industry we're going to be getting into today, and one of your clients. Uh, I think it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I think, you know, as you look at uh, the evolution of retail and really where um, the biggest growth, convenience stores has really become a big target. You know, you look at the size, the scope, uh, and and also the um, elements of where they can reach all throughout the U.S. and and obviously Canada and beyond. But it's really a way that the convenience store customers evolved as well. And I think from the uh, brand standpoint, they really look at convenience stores as the opportunity to not only you know drive sales and drive awareness, but also be able to you know, you're seeing more innovation and seeing more opportunities where it's not the 
pork rinds and sodas. It's more about what can we do to evolve and, and really match the customer base. So really going after millennials, Gen Z, uh, you know, female customers, really that opportunity to explore and bring that value to them. And I'd say the other thing is, you know, also the, um, the changing uh, patterns coming out of uh, COVID with, um, you know, there's not as much of the uh, gas station play. You have much more of the, the quick movements and being able to go in, get what you need and, and go to your next destination. So I think that's where convenience stores come to play. And, and you know, we're fortunate to have Christian join us today. You know, his background, obviously, um, you know, now with Electrolit, but in the past working with Red Bull. So having a good understanding of the not only that channel strategy, but really being able to grow brands and evolve in that regard. So welcome, Christian. Thanks so much, Matt and Tony as well. Thanks so much for inviting me. No, it's great. I mean, again, obviously, you know, I, I've known you for a number of years, but I think the element when you look at this category, especially within, um, you know, the um, the Electrolit, you know, family of, of brands here, there's really to really expand and look at it from hydration and the um, isotonic type element. So I think that's a big part of of what's important. And then also what you're seeing as you look to expand now is, you know, becoming the newly uh, CEO for the whole brand. Give us a, a little bit of, of an overview, Christian, of the brand. You guys were kind. You sent me a nice sample pack. I have to tell you, as a as a cyclist, uh, I the brand really resonated with me because I'm really not into like a Gatorade. I kind of feel like that's honestly when I drink that, I feel thirstier. I can't explain it. I actually it doesn't quench anything. So that's what I liked about your brand was that I could actually put it in my bottles, blend a little water in with it and have a hard ride and drink that along the way. And it didn't upset my stomach. And it kind of, I thought, hit a lot of the functional needs I was looking for. So tell us a little bit more about, about the brand. Definitely. So Electrolyte is a premium hydration beverage with a scientific formula. It's a brand that started back in the 50s in Mexico. There was an outbreak similar to COVID. There was a big outbreak of uh, cholera in Mexico. And unfortunately, several children were um, having a really, really tough times. And it started first as an oral solution for children in 1952 in Mexico. And since then, the brand has been evolving into become this multi-occasion uh, premium uh, hydration beverage. And uh, when I say premium and scientific, those words have a very, very important uh, a connotation for us. Reason why is because we are owned by uh, uh, the largest pharmaceutical uh, company in Latin America, privately owned company in Latin America called Grupo Pisa, and uh, we we take a lot of pride in the way we uh, manufacture our products. And uh, that scientific formula basically what, what what means is we have better for you ingredients, better for you electrolytes that we know that it's not about just adding and adding and adding a lot of magnesium and a lot of sodium and a lot of uh, potassium and so on. It's truly understanding what the body needs, what is the right ratio of electrolytes to provide that uh, instant and uh, instant hydration and basically that fast recovery that consumers are looking for. Either like you, if you're riding your bike or if you're outside um, working on your garden or if you're a construction worker and you're working in Arizona and it's 100 degrees outside and you're sweating and sweating, it's a product that can help you recover your uh, electrolytes uh, in, in your body. And at the same time, we have we have seen as well a lot of consumers while going out with their friends and families and having a couple of drinks the day after. It's a great product that helps them uh, recover. So it's a, a software, it's a multi-occasion uh, hydration beverage with a scientific formula. And uh, the, the, both the performance and the taste of our products are so strong that we have seen consumers coming back 
consistently for multiple decades in Mexico, in the U.S., and in already 11 countries that we have distribution. From a uh, convenience store standpoint, I think that's an interesting play within this brand. Tell me how, um, or, or talk to us, obviously, how the um, that really has helped you know the brand take off. I would say convenience is, is the, the most important channel for us, not only in the U.S., but in every single uh, market where we have distribution as of today. And the reason why is because Electrolyte, and as, as well as many other beverages, it's an impulse purchase. Consumers are, some of them may think ahead in, in, or in advance, like, hey, I need two, three, four uh, beverages to have in, or, or uh, electrolytes, bottles of electrolytes to have in my pantry. But we have tested and learned, and this is not uh, new news, this is very consistent to other categories like energy drinks and uh, sodas and so on, that consumers, when they walk into a convenience store, they may not necessarily have top of mind what they're going to be purchasing, but once they see the product, once they see that availability, and even more if the product is cold, they're going to purchase uh, your product. So there is no better uh, channel for, for achieving that than, than convenience. Reason why is because uh, the, the proximity, the amount of stores nationwide, there's no other channel with as many points of, of, of sale as, as convenience. And also uh, part of the redundancy, but the, the, the availability and the convenience of that channel helps the consumer to really, in an easy way, either you walk across the street or if you're uh, uh, filling your tank or if you're going to stop and, and, and pay some services or do something at your local convenience store, it's very easy and very convenient for you to grab the product and drink it uh, that same way. You know, you brought up a few things there, Christian. Uh, I don't know if... The numbers have gone up, but back in 2020, there were 150,000 C-stores. Is that consistent with? Yeah, I would say at least the, the latest uh, numbers that I've seen is around 155,000, what I've yeah. heard in the, in the U.S. And uh, a big percentage, the biggest percentage of that, I would say, are independent convenience stores. Obviously, there's a significant number of, of uh, national and regional accounts, but it's a channel that that it's still uh, driving a lot of momentum in terms of uh, new stores and growth. Yeah, I mean, if you're a brand and you're not in a convenience store, you really need to think about this because, again, this was research that I did from two years ago, but it's about $650 billion in revenue. So I think in our pre-call, you even said that combined, there's more revenue here than Walmart. Yeah, I, for I mean, a lot we of- We could probably go out and verify that, but I mean, that's, that's a, a huge- I, I can tell you that for several uh, beverages, that's, that's been part of my experience- uh, that the amount of volume and dollars that you sell on the independent channel, it's bigger than a top national account like a, like a Walmart. Reason why is because of the amount of points of sales. Don't don't uh, don't think that Walmart is not necessarily important. Of course, Walmart is. It's we know the size of Walmart and we know the importance of Walmart in in, in the American economy. But again, if you see independent convenience stores for several brands, several beverages. Uh, as a channel or as a, as a, if it was an account, definitely they will be the number one. And you also mentioned too the kind of cold availability. Maybe talk a little bit more about that because I know when I do go into a C store, that's what really kind of attracts me back to the beverage case is that I don't want to have to buy something like in a grocery store and I know it's warm. I I kind of want it now. Exactly, and, and it goes back to the point that I mentioned earlier about impulse. Uh, you have heard this uh, uh, phrase that is very common on, on the industry, that if it's not cold, it's not sold. And I do believe it's 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 true. I don't want to say <laughs> if it's, it's not cold, it's not sold. That's good. It's not sold, yes. And that it's not 100% like that, but definitely what I've seen 
in, in uh, different projects and, and uh, research that we have done with consumers in that I've done it with, with not only one brand, but with multiple brands in convenience specifically. And I would say convenience and other channels, but most importantly, even in convenience is if you have the product called and the product is as close as possible to the checkout. Yes, you can have the product on the cold bolt. Yes, it's going to drive incremental revenue. But the sweet spot is if it's cold and really close to the checkout, that's where the magic happens. I've seen growth of around 45 to 50% in several stores. The moment you put a cooler pretty close to a checkout, uh, the, the consumer is going to be waiting in line to pay. Probably they didn't have top of mind buying an electrolyte or they don't even know what electrolyte is. They, they're staying in line. They look. They turn right or left, they look at the cooler, they find the product, and the impulse purchase is highly likely to happen. So gold is key. The other thing I, I think that's interesting <clears throat> as you look at the brand is you know utilizing the, the convenience stores, but also how you guys evolve and what you're looking for and how, you know, if you roadmap, you know, two, three years down the line, what flavor profiles, what consumers are looking for that way. Talk to us about you know, really how the brand is looking beyond the obvious grape, fruit punch, you know, that type of thing, but how you're being much more, I'd say, um, inclusive. There's, there's, I would say there's two, two very important things. One is the, the importance and the role that the convenience channel plays for innovation, number one. And second is shifts that we're seeing from a, from a consumer standpoint. From a channel standpoint, again, convenience with the number of doors and the amount of people that they can reach every single day it truly is a, a, a live laboratory or, or, a, or a hub where you can test uh, several ideas, either in the independent channel or with some of the top uh, national accounts or even regional accounts. Reason why is because with the amount of traffic that you have in, in convenience, and I've done this with multiple brands, in a matter of three weeks, even less than a month, you already know uh, if an initiative is going to work or not, and you get that feedback instantly from, from, from the convenience channel. You can say, well, Christian, E-commerce can provide better uh, intel, like a channel like Amazon, for example. In a matter of uh, probably a week, you can get more information. Yes, but it's not necessarily goes back again to the scale and the reach that a channel like Convenience has. Um, testing new things, we, we always do it. And this is like a, a, an industry uh, practice that you have a lot of brands that launch exclusive flavors with specific accounts in Convenience. You test it for a couple months, and if it works, then you expand and deploy that flavor that is key into more and more accounts. Reason why is because convenience again has that reach that no other uh, channel can can achieve. So that's that's in terms of, of uh, testing and using that as a hub. In terms of flavor specific, um, we are seeing a big shift with with consumers and even more with Gen Zs um, going back on the traditional path of just using uh, regular flavors. Traditional flavors like the, the regular fruits, like an orange or like a hibiscus or a blueberry or a cranberry or a, you name it, cherry flavor and so on, apple and so on. Yes, they're important, but consumers are looking for more. It's more about the experience overall. It's not just drinking, oh, I'm drinking a, a nice tonic that is orange flavor. It's more about the experience. It's more about, as, as you were saying, uh, Tony, you're riding your bike for three hours, two and a half hours, you're prepping for a triathlon or you're prepping for a big race or you're prepping for a marathon or you're just hanging out with your friends and having a basketball game and so on. And at the end, younger consumers are not only looking for like, oh, I want to, I want, I'm thirsty, I need something or I'm dehydrated, I need to, to uh, recover. They're looking for that overall experience. And the overall experience starts with a lot of that flavor, the, the, the packaging itself, the colors that are being used, 
Uh, you're seeing more and more brands, not only in beverage, but across even food, uh, other categories that are coming with very interesting uh, names in their products, names that are very unique for, uh, for Gen Cs. You may remember a few years ago, a little bit before the pandemic, the term lit. Oh, it's lit, 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 lit. That was oh, a very- Oh, that's electrolyte. Got it. Yeah. So there's- there's that like that or uh, um, things that are have like the emoticons, for example, that that some other brands in beverage have used the emoticons as a as a way to bring uh, a better experience for, for the consumer. So you're going to see uh, Matt uh, with our brand. And I'm sure that it's going to continue happening with other brands in the category and outside of, of not only beverage, but across uh, food and beverage. You're going to see more and more of these uh kind of trend relevance or, or, or more uh, locally relevant uh, terminologies or names for, for consumers that although the taste can be a mango or a mango uh, strawberry or, or a mix of, of your choice, it's more about the experience and the opportunity you're giving to the consumer to connect with you in a different way, right? Versus just saying, oh, this is a mango flavor, or this is a strawberry flavor. So that's something that we have in our radar, something that you're going to see in the future and something that uh, brands should continue taking as an opportunity to connect in a, in a more unique and uh, relevant way with, with consumers. How important is the uh, packaging as well? I think that's something that's interesting with Electrolyte with the square bottle that um, you know, really that it, it seems like it, it separates, differentiates, but also from a shipping standpoint, you, know, you can fit more, you, know, you have more of that. You know, they, they talk a lot about wasted space and you know, so much about shipping uh, channels. But yeah, I'd be curious to hear how that the evolution of the, of the bottle. It's packaging. It's key, and I'll I'll go back to a, a very common uh, acronym that we use in the industry. Um, that that uh, AJ Lively, former uh, CEO of PNG, came with this: the first moment of truth, the second moment of truth, and then Google came with this zero moment of truth. So the first moment of truth is basically when you're in front of a shelf, and there's a lot of neurological um, connections and reactions happening in your brain that help you decide what product you're going to take, and that happens sometimes in less than a fraction of a second, right? So um, packaging is critical and extremely important because that's when you have that little short period of time to win versus competition to truly get or grab the attention from the consumer and, and make sure that he's going to grab your product, hopefully buy the product, but at least discover the product. So that's why it's so important to to uh, to drive or, or call that action with the consumer at that shelf. It's extremely important. And I would say not only on shelf, but now that we see e-commerce as well, it's very important to, to make sure that your packaging can st- stand out on, on, on shelf, right? So specific to us, one of the things that uh, has helped us historically across multiple countries is the shape of our bottle. We're not necessarily the traditional round bottle. We have that, I would say, more scientific uh, look and feel type of packaging, even with the cap. Um, and uh, having those aesthetics like the cap, that it's a very, very uh, iconic blue that when you're in a huge shelf full of products or a cold bowl at a convenience store and you're looking at the products, it's very easy to recognize it by the blue cap and the white um, uh, big sputter, the big uh, uh, semicircle that we have in our in our packaging. No matter what the flavor is, you can easily um, understand uh, where our product is, is located. There's critical things as well from a technical standpoint, our package that uh, and that's one some of the reasons why we have that type of uh, cap and bottles and so on. As mentioned, our product is um, pharma grade quality. You don't necessarily see this type of packaging and product in the isotonic category in the U.S. Uh, with I think one exception. Um, and what that means is that our product is a sterile. 
Um, it's this at, at this point, I can't think about one brand that that it is in the category. So this provides a better quality and again a better experience for the for the consumer. Even if they have stomach sickness, it can provide a better overall performance for for the product. And at the same time, uh, the the integrity of the product, I would say, and the shelf life, this helps as well. Uh, having these uh, more strict processes that we have versus some of our competitors. And uh, that's also some of the reasons why the, we have the, the packaging that we have today. There's been a lot of discussions historically about our, our packaging, that if it's retro or if it's not retro, and if it's more OTC or if it's more as a sports drink or as a tonic. But historically, we have seen with consumers that they, once consumers try our product and experience our product and love our product, it becomes an iconic uh, uh, packaging that they can find at their local convenience store. Yeah, I really love that you just kind of going back to the whole innovation happening at the store level. I really do find that interesting because you you really have to win so quickly. And we talk about it quite a bit on this uh, podcast, you have to be different, better and special. So it sounds like obviously with the pharma grade product that obviously makes the product itself different, but then it goes into the, the bottling and the packaging and Matt, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm trying to go from memory, but I believe, isn't there like a kind of a shrink wrap around the bottle with the, I could be wrong. Is, is that correct? That's correct. So, yes. So you can really on the fly, you know, add that new wrapping Right, you're not tied into um, like a, a dye or something. You can do a quick new wrap, test something really quick, and see how well it's working. So I, I think that's a very smart strategy. But I, I want to get your opinion because you obviously coming out of Procter and Gamble, and then of course your work with Red Bull for a, a, a beverage brand. Would you even recommend that they start just? at a convenience store level, get the data, prove the model out, and then launch out into the larger world? Is that a is that a viable strategy? Definitely. For beverage, I would say that's uh, most likely the way to go. I've seen it with several other startups, with regional brands. Um, convenience, again, uh, it's the best channel. It depends on what, if it's, a, if it's a very niche type of brand and a very higher like extremely premium or high tier type of brand probably wouldn't be the best case. You would have to go to a more the natural channel or other type of accounts. But for a mainstream beverage, I do believe still as of today, convenience is king. A lot of people will probably say, well, what about e-commerce? There's a lot of challenges with e-commerce from a logistics standpoint. The cost of moving liquids is extremely expensive. That's true. And I can tell you this from multi-billion dollar brands in the US and around the world that still probably in the future, there, there's going to be more and more solutions. But again, a lot of these beverages are an impulse purchase. And what's the best place where you can buy, uh, uh, where you can get a, that, or you can be in that setting for an impulse purchase? It's it's convenience, right? So uh, I would say, yes, the way to go should be with convenience. Um, and uh, based on my experience, what I've learned with other brands, with some startups, beverage startups and so on is start uh, regionally. The U.S. is... 23% of the world's uh, economy. It's the biggest economy still as of today. You don't have to go nationwide and it's very difficult to go nationwide day one. There's been brands that have done that with nationwide accounts day one and, and I'm like my highest respects and rewards to those guys. But at the same time, with the size of the economy, markets like Texas, markets like California, markets like New York, that you have such a strong uh base of consumers that are open to try new things that are always setting new trends and that they love innovation. 
simply go to Southern California, forget about just California, Southern California alone. How many brands launch in Southern California, they test it, they build a business case. Then from those, even some regional accounts, not even a national account in those market or in that market, then they go and build a business case and start presenting to top national convenience stores, uh, other regional convenience stores, and even grocery and even other accounts, right? Even like club, why not? So the, the hub uh, or the best lab, again, as mentioned, for testing beverages in the U.S., mainstream beverages, I would say still as of today and most likely will continue for the next decade, is the convenience channel. Well, Matt, this is kind of into your wheelhouse in the sense of PR, driving that buzz. And we talked a little bit ahead of time about the point of sale strategies, right? You've got to get people, you, you have to do some sort of marketing, right? So what's the what's the, the, the technique? How are you going to drive traffic? How are you going to, you know, get them excited to go into the store itself? Because a lot of times, you know, you're just out there pumping gas and you may not even go in. So what's the strategy there? Yeah, I think, you know, a, a big strategy we do with, um, uh, you know, with the Electrolyte brand, it's really, uh, you know, liquid in mouth. It's getting people to try it, experience it. And, and I think Christian touched on it too. It's the different flavor profiles. It's the experience they have. And, and you talked about it too, Tony, about it's it's unexpected. You know, it does really work in that regard that it's not you know, what you may have had in the past with a Gatorade or Powerade or any other sort of uh, brand like that. So it's a way that, you know, we really want to make sure that we're speaking to uh, media that, you know, it's that moment of sweat. So we're talking, you know, endemic media that's going to talk about, you know, here's solutions for when you're working out. But, you know, the product itself has a lot of, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, characteristics. So it can be used for hangovers. It can be used, you know, for obviously, you know, keeping the uh, the day going, making sure you're hydrated. So we really try and tap into those. And I think that's the beauty of PR, especially with a brand like this, that we can have multiple messages. And then obviously we want to win in the trades because, you know, a, a growing brand like that, making sure that, you know, buyers and retailers are seeing information about be it new flavor launches, growth, expansion, new hirings, uh, you know, new retail outlets. And it's a way that this brand really can have, um, leave its mark. And then, you know, the goal, obviously, and, and we've seen it where media are coming back to Christian as well to ask about trends, to ask what's going on. And I think that's an important factor because it is, um, it has a, a life cycle. It has a long you know, history in the category and it can speak in, in so many different ways. So that's the way we really approach it from a, uh, you know, PR and buzz standpoint. I would say it is about having a method in place to make sure that the consumer can see your brand. Even a convenience store, you have less square uh, footage than a grocery store or a club or so on. Still, the amount of SKUs that you have in an average convenience store, it's it's difficult. It's a jungle, basically. It's very difficult to stand out. So a lot of people will think, well, you just need to have the product cold, going back to the cold availability, right? Cold at the uh, back, cold bolt. Yes and no. Yes, that's the first step. Uh, where most of that consumption of, of that category is going to happen, yes, it's going to be in the cold bowl, but you need to make sure that you can disrupt uh, that visibility and that awareness in the store. And by doing the way to do that is, as mentioned, having additional points of sale, additional points of uh, uh, of display in the store. What I was telling you about the, the the cooler pretty close or having cold availability pretty close to checkout, that's a second point of, uh, of sale or a second point of display within the store. And also having additional uh, visibility in, in the convenience environment. So the additional visibility could be from the moment that you walk into the store, the moment you open the door, you see some visibility. Sometimes some accounts can give you visibility in checkouts. Some accounts that obviously are next to our, or within a, a gas station 
having that visibility outside. Obviously, there are some mediums that work better than others with higher, higher rise and so on. But the, the, we know that and it's the same as media, right? Frequency. There's this, this, uh, rule of goal that the seven X frequency, right? If you're able to share seven times in a specific period of time, the same message to the consumer, that's when you start seeing the magic and the consumer can start remembering and recalling your brand, right? So how can you do that in a convenience store? There's multiple ways to do it, but if you're just thinking that you just need to be on one placement and it's cold, you're missing a lot of the potential for your brand. How about too within, um, you know, a lot of the partnerships, you know, if it's um, 7-Eleven doing their promotions, you know, their apps, you know, for their driving sales, and then any of the, you know, partnerships centered around, you know, raves or events, um, do you see that as a, a strategy that works as well? Definitely, definitely. And I do believe that's where, where the power of uh, something like a shopper marketing can help, where you can truly understand with your retail partners, what is your shopper? Because not all the, all the, like the, the, the shoppers that go to convenience stores are not all the same. They're very different and they vary by account. They vary by geography. There, there's differences. So understanding by understand or by, by learning about that shopper, sometimes in some cases that shopper is the same as the consumer. Why? Because that consumption happens. Uh, like they purchase a product and they're drinking the product, even sometimes within the store or after they, or before they leave the store and um, making sure that you're building custom plans. Uh, for, for that retailer. So custom plans can mean within the store and outside the store. And as you mentioned, Matt, is driving that awareness and helping drive the traffic to the store, to the retailer by partnering with digital partners, could be with the apps that several retailers have that are fantastic, that they can give you additional value points, loyalty, uh, benefits, and so on. And, uh, and, and driving awareness, like this is a flavor that you can only find at a specific retailer, or this is a promotion that can give you a BAP experience at a specific retailer and so on, all those things definitely can help you uh, help the retailer drive traffic and can help your brand drive awareness and drive uh, growth at that specific account. You mentioned something that was really fascinating when you're looking for these shopper profiles and creating those partnerships to create that awareness with that shopper. So when they go to the convenience store, something triggers, they remember that and then they can go on and kind of make that purchase. And we had talked about this in our pre-call, the, um, your fascination with uh, the gaming community. And I hadn't really thought about that because I'm, that's really not my, my thing, but I guess if this is good for hangovers, um, (laughs) I guess it's also good for the gamer, right? That's sitting in front of the uh, laptop for 12 hours in some kind of a competition, yeah, I think that you know, when you look at it for uh, hydration, it has so many different uh, plays there. And I think we look at it as, you know, from the, you go into the subcategories within demographics. So saying be it athletes, gaming, uh, it could be students, anywhere that you, you need that hydration and it keeps it going. And I think there's a way that um, what Electrolyte does, it really has, back to the flavor profiles, it reaches a broader spectrum of uh, consumers. So you see that as, you know, it's not the average just fruit punch or grape to that point. It has those more modern flavor profiles. And I guess with that wrapping technology, you could do some kind of special promotion, right? And I guess you could do a promotion with, you know, Xbox or whoever you want and then do the unique wrap around it. And they go into the grocery store. I keep saying grocery store. You go into the C store and they could see on the wrapping something totally unique to the gaming world. And that would be like, oh, an instant connection for them, right? Definitely, definitely. There's so much, as you already mentioned, so much potential with gaming. If you see it as a sport alone in the U.S., it's the biggest sport 
by 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 far. Total number of people practicing it as a sport. Gaming is number one. And several brands. Uh, really, number competing. one. Number one, yeah. Practice, yes. I think if I remember, you can you can probably uh, Google that, but it's around sixty three to sixty four million people in the U.S. practice gaming. I think at least a week. So uh, versus baseball, soccer, basketball, and so on, uh, football, it's there, there's a significant difference. Now the question is, it's always been like, is gaming con- truly considered a sport or not? Yes, it's called esports, and many companies, global companies have been investing in esports for more than a decade. So I don't think that's a question, it's a reality. The, the, the challenge, the most important thing is, again, I go back to the experience, right? How can you as a brand and as a consumer good provide a best in class experience and benefit to those gamers, right? Because we know that some of those gamers are working, or working, sorry, playing two, three, well, some of them do it for-, for, so for it is, Exactly, they have YouTube channels, right? Yes, there's, there's some of them that I know- You caught from, yourself, that's good, you caught yourself. You're like, wait a minute, it could be work. Yes, so uh, there are some of them that are playing or working six, seven, 10, 12 hours a day. And uh, you have seen a lot of brands in the past, several energy drinks investing in the space. And uh, the, the, the difference that I see with their product is, yes, when you're working that or playing or working for that long time, you need the energy, right? You need to be focused. You need to be on the zone. You need to be winning versus uh, your, your competition and, and, and scoring and, and thinking fast and, and having all that connection from your brain to your hands and so on. But at the same time, you need the hydration. You're sitting for such a long period of time um, and uh, you don't only need the energy. You need hydration and you need recovery as well, right? And that those are some of the benefits that we, that we provide as a, as, a, as a product. It's not only the hydration. Yes, we provide the hydration with that uh, mix of uh, electrolytes that we have. But at the same time, um, we have glucose, pharmaceutical-grade glucose. You don't see that in many other... Forget about the, the sports drinks or isotonics. Pharmaceutical-grade glucose is not very, very commonly found in beverages around the world. That's it. What that does is it provides a faster boost to your body. It uh, helps you to distribute as well the electrolytes in, in your body, and it helps you to, to basically be back in shape and be more alert and be more focused as well on, on gaming or gaming or working, or if you're playing tennis with your best friend or you're riding your bike, or if you're working, it provides that additional boost of, of, of energy. So that's what we believe, uh, and, and even more with Gen Cs and younger consumers that we know they're looking for better it's Gen Z is the, the, the generation that is basically changing the finally, which we needed in this country, driving a significant change the way we eat, the way we uh, drink beverages and, and overall consumer goods for healthier, better for you products. They're definitely driving a change in consumers. Finally, are starting to evolve. There has been multi-billion-dollar companies that have been sitting in the comfort zone for decades and not necessarily pushing enough. They were doing the minimal efforts to just sh- share something like, "Oh, we're naturally flavored. Oh, we're this. Oh, we're that." Now you truly see companies evolving because if they don't evolve, they're going to lose significant market share. And that's driven by consumer preferences. So uh, same thing as gaming. Uh, there's going to be more and more changes that consumers are looking for better for you products and, and products that tr- truly deliver their uh, performance with, with unique experiences. So you really are seeing this shift now. I guess I have seen a little bit of a shift, but I still see all the sugary stuff too. If you were in a convenience store, forget about the 90s, even beginnings of the 2000s, 20 years ago, um, versus today, the amount of space that sodas, traditional sodas, will have on the cold bulb would be at least 
a 2x versus what they're today. Why? They would be buying pop and sodas and drinking and drinking and drinking. Younger consumers. I was I was part of that right in the early 2000s when I was in, in, in college. You go to the, to the average convenience store in the country, let's say in a California or a Texas or, a, or a, I don't know, Georgia, and there's full doors in convenience stores with better for you products. From the kombuchas to the sparkling waters to vitamin uh, waters with vitamins to premium isotonics uh, and premium hydration beverages like electrolyte to uh, in some markets you're already starting to see CBD waters, sparkling waters, flavored waters. Um, and don't, don't only think about beverages. Look at the shelf like uh, traditional snacks and so on. Ten, forget about even early 2000s. 10, 15 years ago, the space of protein bars that you would see in uh, convenience stores would be so, like you would, could barely see them 10 years ago. You go today again to an average convenience store and the amount of space that you see for healthier snacks like protein bars, protein bars alone, it's almost like a full full shelf within a, a convenience store. So that shift uh, probably hasn't evolved as fast as other channels like the natural channel and even some grocery accounts and so on. But that same trend is impacting already convenience stores and you see better for you healthier Brands getting more and more and more share of shelf and the sugary products, the, I don't know, high uh, uh, corn syrup type of products. Yeah, or, the or fructose, products the high fructose. fructose yeah. Exactly, they're not good for you. They're reducing and reducing and reducing their shelf uh, every single year. There are some states and some economies that you're seeing, some of them still having that space. But I'll bet you that in the next 10 years, several of those brands may not necessarily exist anymore in, in the market. The other thing I think as we wrap up, uh, I think the one last question, which I think is always important, it's a good one, because it's, yes, you're the CEO, but the team. I think that's something that we've talked a lot about, you and I otherwise, but just how your team, because it's it's a little bit of a ragtag, you know, small group, and you're growing, but you've been able to, you know, sustain this growth. So yeah, I think it's important just to, to give a shout out for that as well. Thank you. Thanks so much, Matt. And we are very excited to to, to see the, the support from and you have been helping us tremendously from, from support from, from media, from our business partners, from our customers, from our suppliers. Uh, we know that we are uh, helping consumers. We know that we have been shifting uh, the category by providing a more premium and a better for you uh, product for, for consumers with a better performance, with better ingredients. And consumers love it. And that's the reason why we have been the fastest growing uh, premium hydration beverage or hydration or isotonic, I would say, uh, in the U.S. for the last five years in a row, and that the results speak for the self, for themselves. And uh, as as you mentioned, man, the the team and the the, the culture that we're building at Electrolyte globally is going to help us to continue driving that momentum for the next couple of decades. That's awesome. No, and and again, I, we've seen it, we we experience it, and and I think it's great, you know, to work together. Well, Christian, what's the best way for people to try or experience? Uh, Electrolyte. What's uh, what do you recommend? This sounds like a like a, an ad. <laughs> no, well, I, listen, I ask every everybody that is, yeah, I ask everybody. I'll, so you know, I'll just say, and, and that that's the reason why we're talking so much about convenience. Go to your local convenience store. That's where you're going to find the product most available. We're driving a lot of distribution efforts right now in the U.S. We're close to sixty percent, sixty percent of all the stores, convenience stores in the country. Uh, there's still opportunities that we have in some uh, some states, and we're working on that very aggressively, uh, opening new distributors every single month. But the best channel where you can find the products of today is uh, convenience stores. And if not, obviously you can Google it, and I'm sure you're going to find it near uh, 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 your locals. 
That's great. That's great. Well, Matt, thank you for setting this up and introducing us to to Christian and really kind of really showcasing really why convenience stores really should be part of your cha- your channel strategy. Awesome. Yeah, this was great. Thank you again, Christian. Thanks so much, guys. It's a pleasure meeting you. Thank you. Thank you.